Welcome to Kindly Gifted. I'm your host, Kate Tarantiva, and I can't wait to unwrap the world of influence with you. Every day, your gifted episodes, see what I did there, to help you become fluent in the business of creativity and learn the best kept industry secrets to creating an online presence worth remembering. It's really like having a momager on speed dial. So let's dive into it. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You know when artists get interviewed, like either on a red carpet or, you know, they, they have a sit-down interview, and they always get asked, like, who are you inspired by? And some of the more vocal artists, I feel like, you know, Tyler, the creator, <laughs> he's always very like, please don't fucking ask me that question. <laughs> and it's so annoying. And it actually made me think of something I don't get asked what I'm inspired by because I feel like I'm not in the in that category. First of all, I'm not like an artist artist. Um, I am an art director, but I'm not an artist um, in the traditional sense. And so unlike Tyler, the creator or Rosalia or Bad Bunny, I don't really get asked the like, who are you inspired by question, even though my answer would be people. Um, and obviously that makes a lot of sense. But I do have a question that clients ask me um, that's not annoying. I, I love it. I actually always get fearful that I'll say too much about it and take up too much of their time um, getting really excited about my answer. But it's been asked at this point enough times to where I can almost like predict when they're going to ask it, like just based on like microfacial expressions and the energy shifts. Um, and that question is, you do this for a job. This is your job. Um, and they're always so like, why? This is so cool. You get to do personal branding consulting as your job. And yeah, I fucking love it. I came from the advertising industry. If you li- if this is not the first episode you're listening to, then you already know this. But if you're listening to this episode and this is the first one that you're listening to of Kindly Gifted, first of all, hi, welcome. I love that you're here. And also, yeah, I'm an art director in the advertising industry. That's my background. Um, so um, I spent uh, years <laughs> humanizing brands and giving them that human feel and that human energy. And I started in the advertising industry during a time when social media was not running the world like it is now, but it was. Like, we didn't have TikTok when I started out in the advertising industry. Granted, it was called Musical.ly, but it was nowhere near to the same scale of like brands hopping onto that bandwagon and joining that conversation along with people. And now I think social media marketing like is the first type of marketing that you think of. You you don't think to go and get a billboard as a brand. You think we need to be on social media. Stat. We need to, if we're going to hire somebody to do marketing, we're going to hire a social media manager first. And when I first entered the advertising industry, that was, that thinking was just really getting started. We really saw a lot of like corporate, cold kind of communications, very brand-facing communications still from brands. Or um, you had the like up-and-coming brands that were focusing on very, very aesthetic 
communication. So it was like the Instagram era, basically. It was like, you know, still still that was a, a huge priority um, and was the driving force of social media marketing. And so, you know, brand-facing communications, and I say this often, and this is why I love personal brands so much, is that with personal brands, you already have that built-in human component. Like you are the fucking brand, right? You are the face of your brand. You are the person. People can very easily relate to you. You establish a relationship with people automatically because you're another human being. Whereas with brands, it's a lot more difficult. And so they have people like me who um, use the, the psychology of human behavior and consumer psychology and neuromarketing to tell that story using visuals and, and, you know, at a very small scale, finding the right models to be in photos, um, to relate to the specific type of consumer. And on a larger scale, um, weaving a story through an ad or commercial or social in order to relate to a specific type of person and alienate other types of people. So I spent a large majority of my career humanizing brands. And and interestingly enough, I worked in the social media space almost exclusively. Um, or that's what I was being tapped in to do. And so my personal brand as an art director became the art director that shapes brands into the friends you're proud to know. I was very selective with the clients I worked with because I wanted a certain type of client, specifically people that were targeting Gen Z or younger audiences because there's just more impact that's being demanded to be made there. Older audiences don't really care about like human connection as much simply because they're used to that corporate facing brand facing world. Um, and younger audiences want impact and younger audiences can smell uh, ads from miles away. Like like the way that you can smell an Abercrombie store from like 10 miles away. It's literally the same fucking thing in advertising. And now, of course, all generations are, have become a lot smarter um, and can see through the bullshit fairly quickly. Um But yeah, so that's what I did. And I worked for really cool brands. I did work for a brand owned by Meta. I did uh, work for a bridal label in New York City. Um, Well, multiple actually, but it was owned by a larger company. Um, I did it for Grailed, the streetwear streetwear reseller. Um, Lonely Whale, which is an environmental organization uh, that partners with... um, Zoe Deschanel, um, and a lot of other like really cool brands. Lobo seventeen oh seven that's owned and operated by a Spanish actor, uh, Diego Osorio, and then um, the primary stakeholder is LeBron James. And so it was like really cool. And if you can see a common thread here, a lot of these brands are either influential brands in culture or they were working with influential personal brands in culture. And I didn't really see that connection until a little later. Um, and professionally, my first experience with personal branding was when I was working in the New York fashion industry, um, under the bridal label, the, the overarching company, the parent company was called Justin Alexander and they had licenses to several brands, but they also had uh, their own brands under their portfolio. Um, and of course, as everybody in the fashion industry, I was overworked and I was doing a bunch of things that I really didn't need to be doing, nor did they fall into my job description, but I was living in New York city. I was a young creative and I was a little naive. So I did all the things. And one of the things that I did, which was the most impactful thing and and 
the job that I remember the most was I was the sole like social media manager and I would argue brand strategist for Savannah Miller Bridal, who is um, designed by Savannah Miller, who is actually Sienna Miller's older sister. For those of you who are millennials and know Sienna Miller, Sienna basically started the whole like boho trend. Um, she, I would say she and like Vanessa Hudgens were like the two people in the 2000s that were the boho browns and fringe and like this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Google Sienna Miller. You're going to be like, Oh, her. Um, and she dated Jude law and all of that. So her sister Savannah is a fashion designer and specifically now in the bridal world, but she's, she's designed ready to wear. She was assisting Alexander McQueen, um, RIP and very influential figure in the fashion world. She definitely had like a very unique and still has, I would argue very unique view on bridal. And I loved it because it felt somewhere between like fashion, um, and you know, kind of like a city bride type of vibe, but you, you could also like wear her dresses to a party and it would totally fit in. Like it was just a really cool approach to bridal. And because it's her namesake label, like it's Savannah Miller bridal by Savannah Miller, it quite literally was like an extension of her personal brand. And so a lot of what I really enjoyed about my job, even though that wasn't, it wasn't necessary to do so, but I felt like it was, was to get to know her and like understand her and understand the way she operates, observe her on set, like work really, really closely to her, like really be all up in her space and get to know her as well as I could, because I think that helped me inform how I can market the brand better to her consumers and her target audience. And then slowly we started incorporating her into social media, which was something she was a little bit apprehensive about. And I realized much later, I realized that that was personal branding. I was literally branding her and figuring out a way that we can use her personal brand as an asset for her label of the same name and I realized how much people loved interacting with her I mean she's a very likable person and um, very hardworking and just likable and she has this like very light and delicate British accent and everything just sounds so luxury coming out of her mouth like it was like that and she she's amazing um I highly recommend following her bridal label um I love it I definitely would love to get married in a Savannah Miller dress if I choose to do so um (laughs) or just fucking dye it black and wear it around um But yeah, so that was my first kind of experience with personal branding. And then I left the company and I started freelancing for other brands and I was still doing like brand work and it was fine. It wasn't as like maybe fulfilling, but it was fine. And, um, and then that's how I got into talent management because I was starting to be asked. I was asked for a long time by, by friends and creators and people who watched the way that I was negotiating within the corporate world and building relationships. And I was being asked to like connect people to each other and like look over contracts and look over proposals for things just by friends who were creators. And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, why not? I'll totally help you out. I've nothing to lose. I, you know, yeah, no problem. And then I was asked for management help. I'm like, oh, will you manage me? Like, have you ever considered that? And at the time I felt like I don't know what I'm doing. 
I don't think I'm qualified, despite the fact that, like, an art director is a creative manager. Like, you hire and cast models. You hire and talent to, like, execute a vision. And you do quite literally have to manage them and advocate for them and, like, represent them really on set, right? And in other spheres. And um, I think for me, you know, and I have an episode on why I, I don't think that you everybody needs a manager and why you don't really why I don't manage talent anymore. And part of that had to do with like, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. And also I think for me, the management part wasn't as fulfilling as understanding the story of the creator. And I say also, let me add this, because I'm not entirely certain that I added this in the episode. I don't think you also need a manager because, and I'm saying this from, from professional experience, having been on the other side, is that sometimes brands will literally not be interested in working with you or they will like downgrade the offer um, because you have a manager and they're kind of afraid of the negotiation or the relationship that they will have with that manager. Maybe they've been burned in the past. Maybe they just don't want to go back and forth with your manager negotiating a hundred times. They really want to square this away like immediately. Um, and I, I have seen that in talent that I was representing that like the minute I'm like, oh, I'm so-and-so's manager. They like either downgrade the offer just so you'll be like, no, we don't want to do that because they don't want to deal with you or they will, you know, just be reluctant to even have a conversation because clearly they've been burned in the past. And I get it because I've met a lot of shitty managers having worked as an art director um, and having worked within brands. And uh, yeah, I, I listen, I get it. Um, and so I think that creators do benefit greatly from instead of having a manager defining like their story and, and just needing help in figuring out what is the story I'm telling online? How am I influencing, aka impacting a specific type of person? Like what is my purpose? What is my why? What is my intention? And then how do I pitch that, right? So like defining your personal brand and then having some guidance and pitching yourself and getting the the confidence to negotiate, the confidence to pitch yourself, the um, res- giving yourself the respect that you deserve to see yourself as a business, that's what you need. You don't really need a manager, you can get like an assistant to help you with that stuff or you can most of the times creators don't even need managers. They need agents if you're looking to have somebody secure deals for you. But anyway, I have a whole episode on that. But um, yeah, and, and for me, like I was looking at well, what is my unique selling point as a manager? And every single time it came back to the fact that I have advertising experience and I can turn you into a brand and I can advise you on business opportunities that make sense for you, whether that be a brand deal or um, something larger like a podcast or a book or whatever. Like I, I don't want you to just be an influencer or a person of influence. I want you to be a fucking icon. And you do that by understanding that a story is what people relate to. They don't really care about getting ready with you. They don't care about what you spend in a day or eat in a day they care about what you have to offer to them and that is an emotional connection and a purpose and value like when people talk about value they they mean how am I being served by you like I would be served by a business right with Amazon Amazon provides convenience to you right or Netflix provides convenience convenient streaming you don't have to go to a movie theater to watch movies right it's the same thing with people and I think that because I have worked on the brand side and did that for brands. Instead of like humanizing brands, I brand humans now, (laughs) which is cool. And it's very like, it's very awesome to see, you know, any of my clients that I speak to, like have these light bulb moments, like right in front of me of, of experiencing 
that feeling of validation and the de- the feeling of deserving this and also you know f- understanding oh this is how i can impact people like having gone through you know all of these different questions that we talk about regarding your childhood and your interests and your boundaries and your previous experiences and taking all of that together who do you want to talk to what are the things you like what what can you turn into a business like blah blah and those are all things that brands do in order to build themselves into the brands that you are. Imagine like if you were the way, imagine the way that like influencers operate now, the average, like stereotypical, I don't want to use that word, but you know what I'm saying? If social media influencer, imagine the way, the the way that they operate. And now imagine if a brand like fucking Amazon or Netflix operated in that exact same way with a lot of fog, confusion, and a lack of clarity as to who they're talking to and what's the point and what's the story, that brand would fail immediately. That's why we have like the 1% of creators that are fucking crushing it. And 99% of creators that either feel like they have to settle for brand deals because they don't know how to get to that next level or, you know, they just don't actually care to build a story and a connection. It's about me, 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 which like in that case, that's really not my target audience (laughs) at all. But um, I'm being honest here. Um, but yeah, that's what was pat. That was that's what you know. I realized is is the thing that makes me different, and I feel like the reason why you continue listening to these episodes and keeping up with my stories on Instagram and like watching videos on TikTok that I make is that I feel like you're learning something new, and you are. I hope this is the intention, at least, that you you see that you don't have to fit into the traditional quote-unquote influencer box. You can see yourself as something more. And, you know, when you equate yourself with a business, you end up seeing a lot more of the possibilities that you can have. And you you are able to see how it is that other people that are well-known have, have done it. Um, and so that that's for me, like when people are like, this is your job. It's like, yeah, it's my fucking job. And I fucking love it, dude. Like it's, it's amazing to be able to listen to your stories, to be welcomed and invited into your world because, um, you know, a lot of my clients make me sign NDAs to the point where like I have now included an NDA clause in all of my consulting agreements and terms and conditions because, there are a lot of things that we talk about that are proprietary and we have to tackle, you know, some, some childhood stuff, some, um, boundaries that you want to set with your audience. And obviously I have to know that in order to figure out how it is that we can shape your story and your personal brand. Um, and I'm just honored, you know, to, to be in your, in your world and advise you and also help you see that personal branding can be accessible. You know, it is, in some sense, like a luxury service, because I don't believe that everyone needs a personal brand. But I think if you feel that ounce of greatness within yourself, and you relate to some of the people that you admire, whether that be Yay, whether that be Russ, whether that be Beyonce, whether that be um, Rihanna, or, you know, Rosalia, or a Bad Bunny, or, you know, Brittany Broski, Serena Kerrigan, Charles Gross, anybody that you look at, and you're like, yeah, I totally see myself in them. We literally go through the same stuff. Like I have this theory that 
everybody who's meant to be an icon or who is an icon, they all kind of share very similar qualities. And I'm saying this because I've, at this point, I've spoken to quite a few people. Um, So everybody has a story to tell and you, you deserve to tell your story. And sometimes that's really, sometimes it's really all you need is you need somebody to tell you, like, you deserve this. You, you, here's your platform to do it. Like, you're completely valid in wanting to share that. And sometimes people want, like, for somebody to build out a story for them. Be like, who am I talking to? Like, how can I serve them? What is the why I tell? What is the the personal branding statement that I share with people that makes them resonate to me? Which is something I also do for people. So, um, I'm saying this because I also hope that this, I'm not trying to brag about my job, even though it is really cool. Um, I hope that you see that, you know, if you want to do something and you don't see it offered as something traditional, like for me, I was applying for so many jobs and I really couldn't find what it is I wanted to do. I couldn't find the thing that, I felt like I could bring into the world that that could cater to like my gift and talent and passions and my why and purpose, so to say. And so I created it. And I think that um, you don't have to put yourself in a box and cater to what is offered to you. You can also create the job and the life that you want, which is why I think influencer marketing and, and people of influence are so inspiring to me because it shows you that you can do it. You, There are others that have done it before you and, and seeing them not as like, oh, I'm so jealous that Kim Kardashian has a private equity firm, but seeing as like, fuck, my, somebody that I'm inspired by, perhaps, um, you know, a person of influence, somebody that started as a clothing organizer for celebrities now has a private equity firm that like acquires media companies and invests into the entertainment world and product and service and whatever. That's so inspiring. So I hope that you also see it that way and and see the people that you were inspired by truly as inspirations and not as, oh, I'll never get there. I'm not there. You know, you will because they all had to carve out their own boxes and they build their own world um, because the world that they wanted didn't exist. So anyway, that's a little sneak peek <laughs> into kind of my professional background and relationship with personal branding. And um, I hope I get to support you one day if you're listening to this and I'd be honored to. And if I've already supported you, thank you for letting me into your world. Um, but as always, I'm here. I'm here in your ear. <laughs> and I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to Kindly Gifted. To support the podcast, please leave a review, share with your friends, and don't forget to subscribe. Make sure you follow me on TikTok at KateMob for more creative secrets from the internet's momager. See you on the next episode of Kindly Gifted.